0: Hi there, welcome to OT's Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you wanna know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret chain that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue, and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs. You are in for a treat today as we have our first interview episode. As we roll these out, you'll see that we're going to be alternating one solo episode with one interview format, and today we have our first guest. How could I possibly kick off the interview portion of this podcast without inviting our next guest? I had a teeny weeny micro business before I went on her very popular podcast, Mind Your OT Business, in October of 2019. Mm -hmm. And that interview helped me move things into higher gear. It also spurred the idea of hosting the OT Entrepreneur Summit, which had an inaugural launch in May of 2020 and is returning soon. So it was only fitting that I have this as my first interview. Ladies and maybe one or two gentlemen, join me (laughs) (laughs) in welcoming Laura Park Figueroa. (laughs)
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for this conversation, Trish, and thank you for that beautiful You're introduction. so
0: welcome. I feel like we need a signature clapping sound. Like,
1: right? what should the
0: clapping sound be for OTs get paid? Like pings for when money comes in your PayPal account? <laughs> Ding! Yes. Flaps of dollar cha-ching. bills? Cha-ching! The cha-ching, cha-ching. sign. <laughs> cha-ching! Okay, we'll get the sound editor to get on Right. That.
1: That's great.
0: The sound editor at this point being my kid.
1: Yes, well, that's a good way to start. I think
0: it's a family affair. It's a good way to start.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, As,
0: as you know, I pay for him to go to university to learn sound design. So it's time that uh, Mama got some of that back.
1: Exactly, your investment has a good return. (laughs) (laughs) If we want to get right into the financial terms, jump right in. (laughs) Right. Okay.
0: So Laura, we're always going to ask the guests the first same question. And that really is about how do you get paid? And what I mean by that is tell us about you and what you do.
1: So I am running two businesses now. I'll start with the first one, which I started about five years ago. And that is my nature-based pediatric occupational therapy practice. It's called Outdoor Kids OT. And we've developed a treatment approach that we use and we train therapists in that approach. And I also run the local business here where we actually provide therapy for children in the Bay Area of California, where I live right now. And then out of that, I realized that I really love running a business. It's Mm -hmm. just something I'm so passionate about. And um, I started the Mind Your OT business podcast in March of... 2019. So we're coming up on two years now. I've only done like one episode a month or so. So I think we've done 34 episodes thus far. And I'm just now moving to weekly episodes Mm -hmm. because I realized episodes don't have to be an hour long. They could just be me talking on a topic for 10 minutes. (laughs) So so that's what I'm, I'm moving to doing some more solo episodes as well, which is really fun and have outsourced some production for that to free up some of my time. So Mind Your OT Business kind of started because I was being asked by primarily therapists who wanted to start nature-based practices to give business coaching to them. And I found I just really loved it. It fired me up. I would get so excited after a phone call to just really feel like that work was having, you know, further effect in the world than just in my little practice. And out of that, started the podcast and then kind of grew the business coaching from there. I'm doing a doctorate program right now. So I'm not, I, I would say like, when we talk about numbers in this podcast, like we have to kind of frame everything I'm saying with like, I'm working part-time essentially. Cause I'm also doing my PhD work. So that being said, I haven't grown the business coaching piece of mind your OT business as much as I would like to in the future. And that is coming down the pike, but I have a group coaching program that I do called business bedrocks. And Mm -hmm. then I'm, I have a few individual clients, but I'm not, I don't have capacity to take a lot right Mm -hmm. now. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of my life in a large nutshell. That is a very (laughs) good
0: giant nutshell. Um, So, you know, as we're going forward, and I don't think this is going to be atypical, I think we're going to have quite a number of guests that have two businesses, some that are kind of equal, some that are like more side hustle versus, you know, one that takes up more time. So when I'm asking you questions, you just feel free to kind of choose whichever business you want to kind of center on as we're going forward. We'll just try to make sure that there's that like delineation.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a good conversation because I think so many entrepreneurs are kind of, you know, multi-passionate. We have shiny object syndrome, all of us, and we want to do all the things. And I think there is a definite symbiosis and kind of synergy to, if that's the right word, to everything that I do. I've joked that I didn't intentionally do that, but I think unknowingly, I intentionally did it because it it makes sense to me. Like the the way that I've created the products that I've developed and stuff. And we'll get into that because I will talk some about the online, kind of how we moved into the online phase of business in this COVID year that we've been through. So yeah, we can delineate as we go.
0: Well, and it's important because I don't want, so OTs get paid can mean so many different things to so many different people. At first glance, it looks like it's just a really straightforward talk about OTs and making money in their business. And that's definitely a part of it, but it's also gets to so many other business topics. And one of them right off the bat is, do you need two businesses to stay afloat? Do you need one clinical? Do you need one that's non-traditional? Do you need, how much time do you need to spend on all those? So it's, it's, you know, diving into those topics, I think is important as well, because because we all have that shiny object syndrome, where do we draw the line? Like, do you need multiple businesses to get paid? Do you need multiple small businesses? Can you go deep on one to actually have it pay the wage that you want to pay? Right. So yeah. And I think that's going to be a common thread that comes up because I think so many people that listen to this podcast have that shiny object syndrome, as you said, I think it's perfect.
1: Yeah. Well, it's the the entrepreneur Like, yep, curse. You just, you're (laughs) so interested in so many things and you just, you just want to do them all. It's exciting. I think that's one of the beautiful things. I think a lot of times that is looked at as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that's a beautiful thing about entrepreneurship that you are in control ultimately. You know, you are the one who decides what you want to spend your time on. And that's probably going to lead into our next question. So I'll just shut up here. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Go for it.
1: Go for it. We have notes. We don't have a
0: script, but I love that you have like that in front of you. Um, Okay. So Laura, surprisingly, the next question is. (laughs) So Laura, why did you start your own company? So this was a phrase that was said by a marketer whose books that I read. He's Canadian. He has a podcast. His name is Terry O'Reilly. And he talks about the fist on the table moment where you slam your fist down on the table and new business owner says, there's got to be a better way.
1: What was yeah. yours? My frustration with traditional practice settings as an occupational therapist not allowing me to do what I felt like was best practice. There was mm-hmm. never enough time. Um, and also, honestly, I think maybe I'm a little more as an entrepreneur kind of obsessed with the idea of profit and being able to make money. And mm-hmm. there is such limited income mm-hmm. in any employee job. You hit mm-hmm. a ceiling and you can't make more. And entrepreneurship allows you that unlimited growth. Like really you, the sky's the limit mm-hmm. when you're running your own thing. So I would say that that was kind of the water I was swimming in for many years mm-hmm. in a traditional school-based job. And I had, a uh, side gig for many years, seeing private clients. But mm-hmm. I would say when I started Outdoor Kids OT was the first time that I was like, okay, I'm legit making this a business. I'm going to brand it. I'm going to market it. I'm going to hire employees. I'm going to create a therapeutic framework that I can train other people. in. I mean, I really shifted from, you know, having my side gig, seeing private clients like to moving into being an, a true entrepreneur, like thinking about mm-hmm. it in a way that I was going to grow the business. And my fist on the table moment with that came because I was running really large group outdoor camps, kind of using a health and wellness approach, really. Mm -hmm. They weren't intended to be therapy, but there were some kids that attended those camps that they were summer camps that needed more support. And I had also been doing some outdoor therapy groups along the way. And I just realized that the therapy sessions were so much more meaningful to me, so much less overhead, so much less exhaustion for more money for less time, essentially, <laughs> to, to, mm-hmm. to break it down to like a, a very crude, I don't want people to think I didn't care about the families I was serving. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. ultimately, when you look at running a business, you have to think about like, where is there more money for less time? because Mm -hmm. that's where your business is going to be financially successful. And if you Mm -hmm. are running a business that does not have profit and cannot meet its expenses, you don't have a business, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you're, you're running a nonprofit or having a hobby. So, Mm -hmm. so this idea of my fist on the table moment with outdoor kids OT was like, I've got to, I've got to go whole hog into the therapy in nature, niche rather Mm -hmm. than kind of offering these broader health and wellness type services, which were fun, but were exhausting and had very limited profit to them. So that was a small example, but that's kind of where Outdoor Kids OT really became focused on therapy. I was running those, those large group camps through my business, but that moment was like, I've got to let this go and really go into Mm -hmm. the therapy. And that's where, honestly, the only reason I can do a PhD is because I'm so interested in the topic of nature Mm -hmm. and children Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that it feeds my business. It feeds my, my work. I do in my doctorate program feeds my business because knowing all the research is influencing how I develop the approach that we use in my practice and how we train therapists from outside, from all over the world, really. In this approach that I developed. So that was my moment. I was like, you know, I want to work with the kids in nature that actually need therapy services, Mm -hmm. not just kids in general. So Mm -hmm. it's perfectly synchronous what you've set up,
0: how the PhD feeds into the work. The work feeds into the PhD. It's just so wonderful. I know people aspire to that. I I I actually can think of only one other person that I know that has that actual flywheel, so to speak. And I think it's just great.
1: I think Something that I would love to just mention in this conversation is that you will hear in entrepreneurship spaces a lot that you don't need a master's degree. You don't Mm -hmm. need a PhD. Higher education is overrated. You don't need to spend hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. of dollars on a doctorate degree to do well in business. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree with that. But on the same Mm -hmm. lines, now I didn't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on my degree. I made that choice to go to a public Mm -hmm. institution to save a lot of money on my education. And I have a lot of Mm -hmm. scholarships and things that are paying the way for Mm -hmm. me. But I do feel really strongly that in some fields and for some entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. it can make a lot of sense to do a doctorate program or a a research-based PhD because it forces the work. It forces you to learn to critically think. It forces mm-hmm. you to develop frameworks and systematic ways of thinking that have hugely benefited my business too, my business thinking yeah. too, and not just even Outdoor Kids OT, but my thinking about how to teach in an online course or how to coach people in my business coaching program. Like my work in my PhD has helped me be a better business coach, be a better teacher, be a better business owner. And I just think, I don't know, I just want to put a little, you know, word out about that Mm -hmm. because it's not for everyone at all. I don't think everyone needs it, but I I definitely want to speak against what you will often hear in entrepreneurship spaces that you don't need it. I'm like, well, Fine if you didn't, but it's it's been very helpful for me. And I think it provides a a framework for a lot of people to get a lot of work done, especially clinical doctorates, because they're so practice focused. If you wanted to start a practice or develop a framework or develop an intervention model a clinical doctorate is a great way to go because those programs are set up to help you do those type of things, which can definitely lead to a strong foundation for a business to be developed. So anyway, that's just my little soapbox. I'll get off now. <laughs> no, you're, this is the whole reason for podcasts. It's soapbox. Drag more over. Yeah. Right. Right. I'll wait.
0: Drag a few more over. <laughs> so, you know, Laura, what occurs to me as you're talking is it's kind of like you're straddling two worlds. Like you talked about profit and then you said, you don't want to be crude because of course you're serving the kids. And that dichotomy struck me as interesting. And then you brought Mm -hmm. up a second one, which is entrepreneurship plus academia. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of speaks to me. And the question that is leading me is, have you felt like an outsider in all of those spaces? Did you feel as though when you were in clinical in the beginning and you were thinking heavily about profit, that made you an outsider? And when you're in entrepreneurship and you're talking about academia, only some of the people get it, or in the academic world to talk about profit and entrepreneurship and hustling
1: and building businesses, like, do you fit in any one of those spaces? Uh, Yeah, I left academia because of it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, really, Ultimately, I did not have enough time. I just left academia in February of this mm-hmm. year. I finished an elective that I was teaching and I, I left at the end of February. Now, there were some other life. We were potentially going to move and like there mm-hmm. were a lot of other things. But ultimately, it came down to like, okay, what do I really want to be spending my time doing? And I wanted more time to do the podcast and business coach and work on mm-hmm. my business and build my private practice. And I wanted more time to do the business stuff. No one understood what I was doing mm-hmm. in academia. I felt a lot of the time like people in academia were like having this attitude a little bit of like patting me on the head like oh that's so cute you do nature stuff outdoors with kids you just play outdoors with kids in nature you know like and it's so much more than that there's a whole skill set to being able to do outdoor work with children and um and I think they just really didn't have any any knowledge, because if you don't do it, you don't really know how much work it takes behind the scenes and how broad of a skill set you need to have to be an entrepreneur. You know, it's just such a different way of being in the world (laughs) than almost in any other setting. And another story came to mind too, where when I was, which I think, I hope will be encouraging to anyone listening. When I did my master's degree, I was really unhappy in my school-based job. I had been there seven or eight years at that point. And loved summers off, but, you know, just a lot of things. I won't go into it, but, you know, school-based practice can just be grueling at times. And Mm -hmm. I went back to get my master's degree and I had at least three or four people in the therapy world, in the school-based therapy world, say to me, why are you going back to get a master's degree? Like, you're not going to get, you don't get a pay raise on our pay Mm -hmm. scale. Like, why would you even do that? And by the time the third or fourth person Said that to me, I kind of lost my marbles a little bit and was like, "Oh my gosh, God forbid anyone want to better themselves." Like I, <laughs> like I literally said that because, because I was like, "I'm sorry." And then I, you know, immediately was like, like women tend to do, we apologize if we say anything. Mm-hmm. That's thrash, and Canadians, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got a sorry, double whammy against me on that one. Yeah, you got a what? I've got a double
0: whammy. I'm a Canadian woman. Sorry is my middle name.
1: (laughs) Sorry. 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 (laughs) I didn't have the cute Canadian accent, but I was like, sorry. I'm like, sorry, sorry. It's just, it's just so many people have said that to me. And I really do feel like it is like given me and it did. It gave me a renewed love for our profession because before then Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if I want to be an OT anymore. I was looking at doing Mm -hmm. other stuff, like completely different degrees. Mm -hmm. So I guess the way I mean that to be encouraging rather than depressing to people is to say that when you start to make choices that are outside of what the standard person in daily life is doing, like most people are just going to like work in a job until they're 65 years old. They're going to retire with their pension and they're going to live and they're going to watch Netflix, whatever, you know, go golfing. I don't know what people do when they, when (laughs) they're on the standard path to retirement, but, and, and that's fine. That's fine. If, if people want to do that, but the word i want people to hear here about entrepreneurship is that you are going to have people when you start to take steps out to put yourself out there and do your own thing that are questioning you because it brings up something in them that is totally their story and not for you to worry about you know you need to do what fills you up what steps you need to take and don't be afraid to put yourself out there and just expect that there might be those naysayers or people who are questioning you when you start to take steps towards doing your own thing, because it's questioning the status quo in some way. Um, mm, I love and I that think you that's said that. Okay. So
0: I do too. And you know what, as, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm actually, you're putting into words. Thank goodness this is on tape. You're putting into words. <laughs> one of the reasons why I named this podcast, OTs get paid. I went back and forth. I can make decisions really quickly. You know, this, I went back and forth. Yeah. I put it on the OT entrepreneur board. I asked for people's votes. I have like three pages and I named my first bricks and mortar company in maybe an hour. And I think why I love this title of this podcast is because it's kind of gripping and it's got that duality to it. It's got that, like, shaking things up, right? Like, should OTs be talking about money? What? We're going to talk about money? We're here to serve the children. We're here to serve the elderly. Well, guess what? You can also think differently and still... Be accepted as a member of the OT community. You can still be accepted in academia with your new ideas. You can still be accepted as a great OT in the ped space, even if you don't want the school-based job. And that's kind of what the title means to me: is it's not just about numbers, but it's like, hey, we're incredibly well educated. We have a dominating skill set. Why aren't we ruling the world? And let's get the heck paid for it.
1: Yes. And that it's okay to get paid. And there's also like totally. nuances to like that title too. I was thinking of this when you mentioned it a little bit back in our conversation here, that like OTs get paid. Like, yeah, it focuses on the money, but also this idea of like the payment. And we'll get into this in a bit. Cause I know mm-hmm. we're going to talk some about my numbers, but mm-hmm. I am so much happier. Like I was just created to be an entrepreneur. My yeah, personality is so much happier as an entrepreneur than I am in a school-based setting. Now, could I be in a school-based full-time job right now and make more money than I'm bringing into my family as running my businesses right now? Yes, I could because Mm -hmm. COVID has hit my practice hard, Mm -hmm. but I'm so much happier that it's like, I'm getting paid in ways that I can't even describe. I'm just so much more fulfilled in my work, and so much more excited about life in general. So there's like a payment there. I know, I feel exactly there the I in know. happiness. You know, <laughs> it's not monetary. It, even that'll be the that'll.
0: Hey, it's Trish. Now that I've got your attention, I wanted to tell you about something that we are really excited about here at OTs Get Paid. This month, we are kicking off our formal, systemic, organized, planned, woohoo, referral program with. Every referral of somebody that you bring to us that purchases one of our two signature programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club, we give you money. We're leaning into it. We're leaning into our brand and we're going to get you paid. At this point, we are offering $400 for people who refer someone who enrolls in our 100K Club mastermind and $250 for somebody that enrolls in our Road to 100K program. But we're not stopping there. Your referred member will also get access to a bonus Q&A Zoom call every month that we are doing just for new referred members with our coaches. It's going to be Q&A, ask the coach, anything. How are you going to do this? The best way to do this is to connect with us via email or through DMs. We're keeping it really simple for right now. And we're saying, hey, here's their deets. Do you want us to call them? Are they going to get in touch with us? And as long as you mention each other, we will connect you and let our system wheel spin and they will get their bonuses and you will get yours. And I want to remind you, we are a company with a mission. It is to bring more wealth to more female OT entrepreneurs because we know what women do with money. They use it to better their families and they use it to better their communities. So for every dollar that we generate here at OTs Get Paid every year, we give away 1% of our gross income to Dress for Success, which is a charity, an organization that's dedicated to empowering women towards financial independence. I hate to use the term win-win-win. Somebody has a better one. Please let me know. But we don't want you to keep those benefits to yourself anymore. We want your referral partner to win. We want you to win. And of course, we have a social agenda here at OTs Get Paid. It'll be the the subtitle, OTs Get Paid, Payment in Happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about the percentage of the time that you spend in terms of time and income in each of your businesses. And then we'll start really hammering into like the impact and income goals.
1: Yeah. So for me, it's kind of hard to say percentage of time and income for Mind Your OT Business versus for Outdoor Kids OT, because my my schedule is so fluid. And I think mm-hmm. that's something I actually am, am going to talk about in a episode in December. Tw- this is 2020 when we're talking. Mm-hmm. For my podcast is that I talk some in an episode about how I really love change. Mm-hmm. And so I think this works for me, that my schedule... I'm not very structured about like, okay, Mondays I work on Mind Your OT Business, Tuesdays Mm -hmm. Outdoor Kids OT. I have a loose like ideal schedule that I try to follow, but my work ebbs and flows with each business based on what time of year it is, which business Mm -hmm. is busier. So for Outdoor Kids OT, we spend a lot of time, well, we used to in January setting up registration for camp for the summer. You know, in May, we're spending a lot of time setting up registration for our school year after school groups that launches in June or July. So there's certain months that are heavier on one business than the other. But this year, I would say that I have focused more time on the business coaching aspects and also some of the scaling of the business, of the Outdoor Kids OT business into the online space because that is what has kept the business afloat Mm-hmm. due to COVID. And also I'm just realizing in that process that there is a lot lower overhead running online products and services than there are running an in-person practice. So I don't want to let go of that because I think that's an important kind of the the practical side of the work is actually having our hands in the community doing that hands-on work with kids, but also... Yeah. I think if that had been the only revenue source in my business, I would have closed this year because the paycheck protection loan, whatever they call it through the government, was not enough and did not come through quick enough for me to avoid closing the business had I only had that as a revenue source. So I was in a pretty good place to kind of just quick put out a lot of online <laughs> online products. You yeah, did my first re- one with me, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. So we were good. well positioned for that one. Yes. And, you know, you and I both know Melissa LePoint and her group and um, yep. I joined it, I don't really remember, maybe a year and a half ago at its inception. And, you know, there were definitely some go-getters in there and now it's just blown up with COVID, right? And so yeah. I think that pivot into digital just makes so much more sense. And it really suits the way that you like to show up at work anyways, right? Just something new, something, it's change. Yeah. It's new.
1: I I think it's it's so amazing that we live in this time when we have technology to do this. Because even five or 10 years ago, this would not have been possible. Like what I created this year, as far as online products would not have been, I mean, you, you couldn't have done it 10 years ago. There wasn't it's the infrastructure to be able to do it. You know, I know.
0: So, I want to, I'll tell you a quick little segue and then we'll jump into your income and impact goals. And that is, I found a journal, like an old, not a baby book, but like an elementary school. Uh-huh memory book. And it had like, you know, my running ribbons or whatever in my class picture. And it also said like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And in grade three, I wanted to be a radio announcer and a lawyer. Your
1: your dream is coming true. Well, maybe well, not the lawyer, but now you're a podcaster. That's
0: what I thought. And I actually knew that I wanted to do this strategically. And I thought from a content perspective, this would really work with how I feel best showing up at work and it's light and it's easy for me. And I'd be doing this in my spare time anyways. And then when I made that link that, hold on, Trish, it really just takes, you know, an Amazon delivery of a little bit of equipment and knowing some peeps and you're off to the races with a radio show. And I mean, it's banal to say, and yet for whatever reason, it hit me the last couple of weeks that I was like, wait a second. I'm literally going to have my own radio show. And there was seriously a time where I was like, maybe I'll go to Ryerson University in Toronto and pursue like a journalism radio degree. And now I made a left turn instead of a right. right. <laughs> 2020 came along <laughs> and I got to be an OT and a radio show. I love okay, it. Show. Okay. So, Laura, let's dive in. So, what are the impact and income goals for your company? this year, and then we'll talk about five years down the road.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is really funny. So I had to do some some cutting and pasting from my website to answer this question because I have these hilarious income goals for 2020 that I mm-hmm. put out in episode 17 of Mind Your OT Business. If you want to listen to the episode before I knew COVID would take over the world in episode. 2020. You know
0: what? I remember... I can tell you when it was. I was, it was Christmas break. I think I was in Toronto visiting my sister and she had taken her kids skiing and I was walking through the woods beside the ski
1: hill listening to that episode. Didn't it come out Ah! on December 2019? I think it, I think I did it in, I either did it in early January or late December. I can't remember because I had my, I had my revenue from 2019. So maybe it was right after. I'm having a sensory experience. I remember exactly where I was in Barrie, so Ontario, funny,
0: in the snow. <laughs> and my niece and nephew were on a ski hill and I'm like, I'm going walking, peeps. I remember it well. So yeah, that's an amazing episode. You said episode so, 17?
1: Yeah. So I break yeah, down the pre-COVID, my, the, no yeah, the, the no crystal ball episode. The no crystal ball episode. And the hilarious title is how I increased my profit margin. I think it's by 200% in 2019. <sighs> plus- my audacious goals for 2020. Oh. Doesn't that just ring hilarious right now? I mean, it's so funny. Anyway, very if people want to listen, you can find it at mindyourotbusiness.com slash podcast slash 17, the number 1717. So, amazing. okay. So- 2018, just to give some background, 2018, the gross revenue of my business, which at that point didn't really include much business coaching, was $82,000. So and are we
0: talking Mind Your OT business and no, Outdoor Kids OT here? Yeah, this because just, I hadn't yeah. really
1: started so Mind like Your, your business at that point. It's like point. your corp. Okay, yeah. got it. That was 2018. And the net revenue after expenses was only 6%. It was like $5,000. So that's after I paid myself, employees, all the expenses, of everything. So then in- And that's not where you want to be. No, that's not where you want to be at yeah. all. And my I'm income... just I'm,
0: I'm plugging your your profit first method here that you so love and I now use as well. But right. that's, well, that's where what, that's coming from.
1: That's what this is going to show. I mean, yep. it's crazy like how it can change and also how it can get you through a crisis too. But so 2018, this is 2 years ago, I paid myself $19,000 total. Now that's again, I was doing my PhD and running the business very very part-time. 2019 our gross revenue was 161 one hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. Nice jump. The net revenue was thirty-two thousand dollars. Twenty percent. So that's that's like after expenses, twenty percent was left over. I mean, that's that's a very healthy healthy number, I think. I paid myself 32,000 last year and that includes some of the profit first bonuses and those numbers changed because I started tracking things using Profit First which is Mike McCallowitz's mm-hmm. book that lots of people have heard of and you should absolutely own if you are a business owner. Mm-hmm. So, my audacious income goal for 2020 was to make 75,000 working part-time 20 hours a week and to have $200,000 in gross revenue for the business. Okay. As a whole, both Outdoor Kids OT and Mind Your OT Business.
0: Now, now, how much of a stretch would, I mean, we know the numbers, okay? But we don't know what was going on behind the business. So, you know, that's that's not doubling it. That's double plus, right?
1: No, well, it's not because we had 161. So I was doubling my, I wanted to double my take-home. Oh, yes. Good point. And Got increase it. by about 25% because the gross revenue was 161K and I wanted to go to 200K. Got it. So you so, you
0: wanted to slightly up the gross and then you wanted to definitely up your yep. take home, your owner's comp and your profit. Yep. Mm-hmm. And work less. Okay.
1: And work well about the same maybe. I mean, I was probably mm-hmm. 20 hours a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The update is that we, of course, are not even close to that because mm-hmm. I don't even know. I would have to look at the numbers. I don't even know how much we had to refund to people for lost services mm. and like canceling camp and no summer services at all. And I did not necessarily because of COVID, but I lost an employee because she was planning a family and she didn't want to leave mid-year. And I was like, thank you very much for being so thoughtful about not starting a school year when you're going to try to get pregnant. And she was just kind of trying to simplify her life and scale back on work a bit, I think, because that was what their family was doing. So Mm -hmm. I did not fill her spot. So I didn't. I didn't hire someone new to replace her essentially. So essentially during when COVID hit in the spring, end of school year, she told me this and I decided not to hire to fill her spot. So this year we are running, you know, 2020 to 2021 school year, we're running with two less outdoor groups. So we only have Mm -hmm. four groups going. We're only serving about 20 families. So it's not, again, the practice is very small. I've always been very clear about that when I talk to people about my practice. It's not a huge business, right? I don't employ Mm -hmm. tons of people. But the current numbers are that we have, and this is with like six weeks left in the year, I guess, at the time we're recording this. And I I Mm -hmm. do have another launch coming too, so we'll see. End of November, 2020. Yeah, Yeah. end of November, we have five weeks left maybe. The current numbers are a little over 139K. Mm Mm-hmm for total revenue. This is what's crazy though. $74,000 of that was from pivoting to the online space. $74,000. Okay. Okay? So almost half, over half, over half of that was from online services and products that we developed this year. It's amazing. I think that this is a good example of how, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but I think it's a good example of how thinking like an entrepreneur from the very start of your business gives you the ability to pivot when things like COVID, which hopefully nothing this tragic in business will ever happen again, but you just don't know. We live in an uncertain world, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, 74K from online and we may have even more by the end of the year. We'll see. My salary this year has been at this point about 33K and Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I might even give myself a pretty good end of year bonus once I talk to my accountant, but I need to make sure that we're on board for that. So I guess I would say that that is good considering that we had a major loss in revenue and yet I paid myself the same, Yeah, but it's not nearly what I think I should be being paid for the amount of like work and vision Definitely. really that I'm putting into the business. So a goal I have for next year is to really do a lot of work. I'm actually looking into kind of some different coaching slash online trainings and stuff for financial management of business revenue, as far as like investing, rather than just like, I know how to make money in a business. It's clear I can mm-hmm. generate revenue. And now I want to learn how to like make the money work for me. So
0: mm-hmm. maybe I'm next so glad you brought
1: that up. Another. You brought it- <laughs> two points that i love and the first one is
0: you know with the business coaching i do not every single person that i coach is a clinic owner but the majority are and yeah. they're coming to me to either streamline that process to you know build out another product open another clinic get a digital offering feeling like they're just hitting the wall and want to quit and therefore they need some help from an ot business person sure but you know it's really interesting because so many people and i was like this in the beginning as well you think well in order to make more revenue i'll just hire more people and that's right. that time for money continuum and because there's only one of me there has to be another one of me and another one of me and another one of me in order to deliver services and that's not the only way to increase profit it increases revenue but it doesn't necessarily increase your bottom line and you know i'm not preaching to the digital altar either there's Plenty of people that have products. There's plenty of people that have, you know, out of the box companies, and they're not all therapy services one on one. Right. And yet, I love that you highlight that when you talk about not hiring another employee. I think that's really great because there's some people that come to me and they're like, okay, I have this behemoth of a clinic. I have like 25 staff. Now, what do I do? And I think that when I really started to learn about this myself. And I, with zero business experience, I you know took grade 13 in Ontario. It was for those Canadians in the crowd that are my age. There was a grade 13. <laughs> and I <laughs> passed that math with like a B minus. And I was like, bye-bye math. <laughs> right, right. And then I wound up in stats in university, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then teaching stats at one point, which is a whole other story, but we'll move along. That's an entrepreneur move when the, the faculty comes and says, hey, you want to throw your hat
1: in the ring for stats? <laughs> Right.
0: (laughs) And as an entrepreneur who likes change like you, Laura, I say, sure, sure, why not? But my point is, you know, there are other ways of increasing your bottom line that is not just gross revenue and it's not just hiring more staff. So I really want to underscore that point. And the second thing that I'm, you know, you and I are so in sync in so many ways, Mm -hmm. even though my businesses are younger than yours. And that is exactly where my head is at as well. And that's something that I started. And I really want to start moving into focus with my coaching clients is building wealth. Yeah. Having that money work for you. And again, that OTs get paid thing. Like, what a shift it is from being mentored in the early 90s when I graduated with incredible therapists. I just never envisioned anything other than wanting to be, I knew I wanted peds from the get go. I took a huge direction. I didn't go right into peds, but, and I thought I wanted to be on faculty, same thing. And how did I get to this place where I'm actually like, rah, 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 OTs will really have income to make impact. And Mm -hmm. I'm also going to double down on my wealth building and help other people do that. Like who would have thought
1: It's so not what we're trained to do as OTs. I mean, we've talked about this before, probably when you came on my podcast, like we are enculturated in this healthcare model that tells us that it is bad to want to make money. Totally. (laughs) Like, and we're all kind of, especially in America. Here's my soapbox. Hold on. I'm dragging it over. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not in Canada, but in, in America, we think of people who make money in healthcare as evil. Like the insurance companies are getting rich while our people that we serve in the hospitals or in our areas of practice don't get what they need because the insurance company won't pay for it or whatever. So there's this whole culture of like evil around money Mm -hmm. and healthcare and Mm -hmm. we have to break out of that. And there's so many ways. I mean, this could go on a whole nother, this could be a whole nother podcast, but like thinking of ways that you can still serve a a diverse group of people with a business model that still allows you to make money. And there are a lot of ways to do that, but we have to break out of that concept as OTs, which is why the name of your podcast is great.
0: Thank you. I appreciate the, the support. Okay, so let's jump then into your goal for 2021 and five years down the road. I'm assuming that it's going to be a repeat of 2020, hitting that original 2020 goal.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm planning. I'm hoping I can hit 200K with both businesses next year. Like right now, they're the same business essentially. I don't have them separate bank accounts and separate whatever. So I do track what revenue streams there are. And I think it's feasible to hit 200K next year and have me take home 75. Mm -hmm. And that's still
0: working your 20 hours, right?
1: Yes, because my research and dissertation starts next year. Um, (laughs) Of course it does. Which is is (laughs) actually, it's crazy. It actually feels like not as overwhelming to me because here's why Trish, here's why this is my little entrepreneur mindset coming out again. Okay. It is my work. It is not like taking coursework because the first two to four years, sometimes of a PhD program, depending on how much you cram in at once, like are just coursework. I mean, it's classes. And so for the last two years, I have not had more than a month long break where I haven't had at least two classes. Some semesters I took three classes and I was running both businesses. And I, I have three kids times. and a husband. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so I mean, you got the brunt of some of it. When we were planning yeah. the summit, I was like, I can't do this right now. I have three classes. am going crazy. You're like, okay, <laughs> calm down. I'll do it. But um, but but honestly, like, and maybe it's gonna be just as much work. I don't really know what it will all look like, but the thing is, it's my work. Nobody else is telling me, okay, this is due at this time. And this huge project is due at this time. And you have to work with this person to do this one project and they're not pulling their side of the weight and you got to do more, you know, like it's actually not overwhelming to me. I'm more excited about it because it's my work and my getting to do what I want to do on my timeline, even though, you know, there's a course number I have to be enrolled in, but it's essentially research proposal planning, doing the research and writing the research, which I'm excited about. So to me, it's like, an easier year than previous (laughs) years have been. So I'm actually not so worried about it, but yeah.
0: What I'm so happy to hear for you and what I want for everybody else listening to feel, and I really believe this in my gut, that I want OTs to be more selfish. I want OTs to just own what they love, get flipping paid for it, put their nose to the grindstone to build something that's theirs. Put in that time, right? Like, I was the biggest rule follower when I was a student Mm -hmm. to the point where I'm now watching my daughter in grade 11. So, your junior year in the States, I don't know what they call it in Europe. And, you know, she's like slogging it out in chemistry. Okay. Now, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that these subjects aren't important. I'm not going down that road. I'm not opening that Pandora's box. Okay. But, like, I am starting to feel differently than I did even three years ago with my son and certainly myself in high school, where it's kind of like eh, suck it up, buttercup. That's what you have to do. Right. <laughs> before you get to what you really want to do. Right. Which is travel and speak Spanish. <laughs> but yeah, so the rule follower in me is just like, well, and I kind of toe that line, like suck it up, buttercup. But then, you know, part of me, I don't know if it's age, I don't know if it's personality. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's gender expression, it's like there's something now that just
1: makes me, there's a fire in my belly where I'm like, gosh, darn it. OTs get selfish. I mean, I think an even better way to say it is to just get confident. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when you're confident, you can be selfish because yeah. you know that it's it doesn't mean that you're a horrible person to like take care of yourself, you know, or to put yourself out there and share something with the world. You're, you're confident in it. And I think yeah. that is where OTs just, We forever, and it's crazy. When I just sat for my PhD exams, and it's crazy, I actually have an Instagram TV story on it like why OTs have an inferiority complex. So, Mm. at Laura Park Fig, people go to the IGTV if you want to see it. It's all about how, in our literature from the very beginning of our profession, there is evidence that we have an inferiority complex. This is not just like this vague feeling we have as OTs. Mm-hmm. It's like literally in our professional literature that we don't know how to define what we do. We feel embarrassed that our tools are so commonplace, even though what we mm-hmm. do is complex, right? Mary Riley said that. But it, I just feel like there's this history of in OT of us feeling- totally. A lack of confidence. And that affects us when we go to be entrepreneurs. We're like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, the PTs are doing it, but we can't do it. Or the speech therapists are doing Mm -hmm. it, but we can't do it. Nope, sorry, we can do it, you guys. Like, we can totally do it. But part of getting confident is knowing your stuff. It's like you can't be confident if you don't really know what you're doing. And I know people like to say, like, banish imposter syndrome, like, don't believe those lies in your head that you're an imposter. But I want to be very clear that imposter syndrome is specifically when the facts say that you don't have the, that that you do have the experience needed, but you're doubting yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a very real sense that if you're not confident and you don't know your stuff, that's probably good that you're not confident. Maybe you need to learn some more, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so like, I think I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here to, to just help people know that You can learn what you need to be a good entrepreneur. And I think the more you learn and step out and take those risks, the more confident you get. And we need to be confident as OT entrepreneurs. And we should be because when you learn this stuff, you actually know it. And we don't need to be like sitting on the back burner of like other entrepreneurship leaders in the healthcare space. Which is the whole focus of the OT Entrepreneur Summit. Exactly. You bonded over that. Pretty hard. This was was not intended to be an advertisement. 2021.
0: Hashtag we're being selfish and serving our content up here.
1: Selfishness and confidence 2021. We believe in the
0: product. So. Laura, you know, what happened to me is I just kept taking another step and another step and another step and another step in my own little, I call it silopreneur bubble, other step, other step. And then I turned around six, seven years later and I was like, oh, hey, wait a second. I like built something. I built something that helps people. And I built something that employs people. And I built something that pays me. And I built something that is of interest to it. The same thing, enough people coming to me saying, how did you do that? And so I think that's a perfectly legitimate way to build a business. What I want to talk about now is as opposed to kind of a reactive approach or a kind of a, hey, I'm fine looking in the rearview mirror to see what I built approach. Let's talk about a planned approach. And to that end, I want to ask you about your favorite resources that helped you grow, not as a therapist, but as a CEO.
1: Yeah, I would say community. Of other business owners yeah. and private coaching. yeah. I have been a member of group coaching and I love group coaching. I run a group coaching program, yep. but there's something to be said for the private conversations with a coach where you are focused on your own business that it is worth paying for, in my opinion. And around community, I think, ironically, at the beginning, my community of helping me grow as a CEO was not OTs. I didn't really know any other OT business owners. I had a PT friend across the country who ran a business and we kind of would do monthly calls where we would just share and help each other problem solve in our businesses. And having, even if it is one person, you need a community to help you. Because like I mentioned before, all those naysayers, like the people who, you know, the (laughs) The people who are like, why are you doing that (laughs) when you first start out to balance that out? You need people who are doing the same and are experiencing the same things and can just encourage you and help you know that you're not crazy. And I now love and benefited from it before, but I'm moderating the group now, the OT entrepreneurs group on Facebook. And that community to me is like a true community. It really is a space where people can be honest about their struggles and You can just feel like you're not crazy, you know? It's (laughs) perfect. And Sarah did a great job starting it and you've done an exceptional job carrying it over. I love how you're
0: showing up in that group now. It's fun. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm so glad. And you know, it's funny, it reminded me of a story. My partner looked at me, because my big journey to this was about two summers ago when I just said, there's gotta be a different way. It was really my time for money revelation. Mm
1: -hmm. And I had
0: planned, I made a strategic plan on the dock at the cottage and then kind of went balls to the wall. And- (laughs) I remember my partner looked at me, wait a minute, it's a blur. Was that last summer? No, that was the summer of COVID, two summers ago. Okay, time is a bit of a vacuum at this point. So, you know, I loved this about mm, a month or two ago, my partner looked at me and he said, "Um, so I never told you that I thought you were crazy. (laughs) And he said, I saw you on that doc and I believe in you. And you literally did a CEO retreat of one. And you had all your resources and you went to town. And he said, I didn't think you were going (laughs) to fail. I just didn't think it was going to work. Right, right. And he didn't get any more specific than that. And his point was, I am so happy that you proved me wrong. And he said, you know, it's mostly that I just didn't get it. And I think that's a very simple way of saying how community can help because Nobody. Well, that was another name I almost named the podcast is, no, that's not exactly what I do, a podcast for OT oh, right. entrepreneurs. <laughs> and so nobody understands the OT hat. Very few people understand the OT hat. And then to be an entrepreneur in that space and not be the physio or the right. dentist who learned it in school or whatever, it's pretty powerful. And I agree. And that's actually where I'm probably going to spend money for myself next for any kind of coaching. I don't have any right now is probably outside of the OT space. I've been in and yeah. out and in and out. And I love the lens of both.
1: I've kind of, I've gotten coaching from outside of OT. I actually started my first business coach ever was from outside of OT because her and I did a swap. Her son came to some of the camps that oh, I was yeah. doing and then she gave me. That business was my coaching. first marketing person. Same thing, right? It's awesome. It's awesome yep. to barter that way. I think it's great. And then I've done some inside of OT too, but I love the idea of the way that my role is right now in our community, in the world of OT, thinking about like whatever I invest in for my own business is actually also to benefit the greater OT entrepreneur community. Because I feel exactly that way too. I'm thinking about doing all this financial stuff and I'm like, well, if I get this education, then that only filters to my people too, because then- I have more wisdom to run my businesses to help them run their business as well. And it's the same, like I spent so much money to go to that social media marketing conference Uh decided last minute. And I mean, I can't even describe how that conference completely shifted how i show up online completely shifted how i help people think about how they're showing up online and their marketing and it was so worth the money even though i decided like last minute to go and you guys you, i am you had like the 1 hour
0: left right oh, the 1 hour of the yeah. sale left yeah and i remember, I remember you
1: that. you even said to me you were like well yeah i wouldn't pay that right now at this point in my business I, and i was like oh should i have not paid i mean i remember mm-hmm. thinking like cuz we had a con- you and i were planning the summit right mm-hmm. and we had a conversation about it I you saying, well, for my business, it just doesn't make sense right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, does it make sense? I don't know if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to go. You know, like <laughs> I got have this mm-hmm. moment of like selfish, of like, oh selfish. my gosh, should I go? But it definitely was so good. I mean, and now I'm really thankful because they're not having it next year. They, yep. they so, but I just think that it's an example of how when you get training from outside of our field, if it relates to something you're doing, like for me, going to some Wilderness survival skill classes like greatly influenced my approach towards like what's interesting with kids outdoors in nature. You know, so just examples of ways that you can do things outside of our current profession that can actually really bring a unique kind of spin to your work as an OT entrepreneur, I think.
0: I completely agree. That's some of my favorite stuff is when I am consuming because I'm very self-directed learner, very curious. And when I'm consuming content for me and my audience. And me and my audience, I'm always just like, this is like a triple whammy. This makes me so happy. I'm learning this. I can teach others. Or I'm learning this for this particular client. But holy cow, it also informs what I should be doing. It's just, it's that ripple effect.
1: It also makes you really learn it if you share it with other people. Because Mm, until you teach something, I don't think you really know it. Until you force yourself to actually say it in a clear way. That's why like doing Facebook lives, doing the pod, doing solo episodes on the podcast. It really helps to clarify my own ideas about business and what I've learned about business. So it kind of makes it sink in to your brain more when you actually have to teach it. So I think it's great to think about our learning that way. And like, how can we, how can we learn things and then share it with our communities and our businesses? That's, I think it makes us better leaders that way. Yep. I agree. And we're lucky that it's so in sync.
0: Okay. So what are the top three things that best helped you move from working in your business to on your business? Cause that's what we keep talking about without saying it, you know, that move from clinician to CEO, that move from being that technician to being the business leader and that switching of the hats, I still find exhausting, even though I don't do much of that at all anymore. So what are the three things that you did that helped you really make that leap into working? on your business instead of in your business?
1: Okay, well, full disclosure, I just spent all day practically yesterday like doing some work in Kajabi that I totally should <laughs> outsource to someone. Good, So Thanks for um, messing up. I am still working a little in my business, but it's kind of like I like doing it and I like understanding it so that when I do hand it off to someone, you know, I know what I'm expecting them to do. So anyway, mm-hmm. that being said, I, I was laughing. Funny. Think, and oh, I know I you have a know. Kajabi
0: expert too. I'm shaking <laughs> my head. It's a good thing this is just...
1: Right. Audio. Right. Right. Okay. So the first thing I almost said this earlier, and then I was like, I think we're talking about that in a bit. I read a ton of business books at the beginning of starting my work and whatever was helpful to me at the time. Like I basically at the beginning, I read a lot of books about like I love Michael Port. I Mm -hmm. met him at the Social Media Marketing World Conference. Took a photo with him and his wife. He brought me up (laughs) on stage. He selected me from an audience of 500 people to do like a live public speaking coaching. I'd forgotten that. (laughs) I was like, is this actually happening to me? He's like the one person I came to this conference to see, (sighs) literally. And out of the entire audience, I raised my hand and got selected. It was like pinnacle of my experience at that conference. out for but you. he was, his books, he has a book called Book Yourself Solid and then Beyond Booked mm. Solid. And mm-hmm. that book, Beyond Booked Solid, I mean, it's a book from like the yeah. early 2000s. I want to say yeah, it's, it's old, not- right? He thought I was crazy. Like I literally had the book with me at the conference and I'm like, I need you to sign on this chapter, so it was a specific <gasps> chapter. You want to talk about a fist on the table I moment. Like, oh my gosh. That now. Yes. What was it's, that chapter? It's called Systems. I think the subtitle is like creating a business to run itself or something oh, like that. Oh my goodness. So this book, like this is the one chapter in one of many books I read that was like, oh my gosh. I have to create systems around like how people come into the business because I'm doing too much, you know, and right there, I was yeah. reading it in the car. It's kind of how you said, I remember the moment Yeah, we were on our way to a backpacking trip, like the only really idyllic backpacking trip I've ever done with my family. We've done a few, but this was the most idyllic one. And I remember we were driving there. I was reading this book in the car and I was like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And I had to like get out mm-hmm. paper. And I wrote down exactly what the current system was and mm-hmm. saw on paper. And I share the actual image of it in my business coaching program. When I teach yeah, people how I think to create you sent systems. That to me. I think you sent that to me as a text. Oh, did I? <laughs> I think you did. Cause I have that picture in my head. Yeah. Of like where things go, Mm -hmm. how much work I'm doing. And basically what it does is his book helped me to map out how much hands-on work I was doing as the owner of the business in this system and how I needed to outsource some things. So I still have the little sheet that I drew in the car (laughs) on the way to our backpacking trip. So Mm -hmm. read a ton of business books and read, Mm -hmm. look for books that are Whatever you need at the time, like at the time I was just growing my business, I needed referrals, so I was exactly. like reading books about how to generate business. Right as my business grew a little bit, I started to yep. read more about marketing, you know, like social media and different things like that. So, read books. If you don't like reading books, listen to them on audiobook God, because yeah. that is my number one tip. You can learn so much. Yeah, and then I would say numbers two and three for me are kind of similar. Number two would be that I had a goal in mind from the very beginning that I was not going to be the sole business. I was going to hire people to work in this business with me. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's really important when you own a business that you have a shared mental model with people mm-hmm. as to what you're doing. And so, in my mind, and it worked a little bit uniquely in my situation because it's such a niche model of practice, right? To do outdoor work with children in therapy. Mm-hmm. I had this idea of, I need to create a framework. I want to share this with other people. I need to create a framework or some kind of model to help other people do this same work. Because I felt like my brain was exploding with how much I was learning and just growing and like learning what worked and what didn't work. Like some things were really surprising to me. You know, lo and behold, kids don't want to write in a journal while they're out in nature. Imagine that. I had this like <laughs> idyllic dream that kids would like at the end of every session, we'd like make a journal entry about what we did. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious to me now. You know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, maybe at a forest school when you have the whole day, but like in a in a therapy session, that's not what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But um, I know we're running over because I, I don't know how long you want these episodes to be, but just to encourage people that sometimes your partner is not the one who is. Now, Jose is very supportive, I should say Mm -hmm. that before I tell this story, but Mm -hmm. he like totally mocked me when I was like, Jose, it could be contigo, connection and transformation, the T is for transformation, N, I, the great outdoors, G, O, contigo, the contigo approach. And he was like, contigo, contigo, like making fun of me. (laughs) I'm like, but babe, it's like your language. It means like with you in Spanish. What an awesome word, like connection and transformation in the great outdoors. And the word means with you. We're with families. We're with children. Wow. We're all together. And he's like, okay, I get. I guess I could get used to it. You know? <laughs> he was totally mocking me at first. And then just two days ago, I was like, uh, babe, Contigo approach just brought in 30 grand in my business. I was business, just okay? going to say you know? <laughs> that. What bill did the Contigo approach pay this month? That's exactly, exactly. what I was going to yeah. say. So he embraces it now, but it's just really fun. It's a really funny story because I thought he would be like, oh yeah, that's great. And he was like, Contigo, Contigo, <laughs> totally making fun. So I love anyways, it. I love it. Well, and
0: you know, I respect where you're coming from, from a clinical point of view. I know that there's a lot of talk about building frameworks and models in the delivery of professional coaching and consulting even. And so oh, yeah, there and is. It's, yeah. And so to me, the the person that I'm most connected for that is Mel Abraham. He has a newsletter, he has a podcast. I just really resonate with him. And so I am not going to PhD my way through a model for how I deliver the services of coaching and consulting that I deliver now. And yet it's really important to present that to our adult learners, right?
1: Yeah. You're making me remember something that is so funny to me now because I'm such a newbie really in the coaching and consulting Mm -hmm. world, essentially. Mm -hmm. like I don't have 20 years of experience doing that. I have 20 years of experience as an OT, so Mm -hmm. I feel like super confident creating a therapy model. But when Melissa and I were talking, Melissa LaPointe and I were talking, and maybe even me and you, Trish, Mm -hmm. really early on, we were talking about what should I name the Kajabi site, which I didn't really name it anything. I just direct traffic there from other sites, basically. Mm -hmm. But I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't want my name because what if I develop some like coaching model in the future? And I can only imagine she probably wasn't, but in my mind now I look back at myself and I'm like, Melissa must've just been rolling her eyes. Like, oh, please girl, you have so much to learn (laughs) (laughs) because because I was like, oh, but I'm going to create a coaching model. (laughs) Confidence. Well, it's, it's confidence, but it's also like, how I think, you know, it's just, I don't wanna create a business that is just myself ever. Like I don't want the Contigo approach to be just myself because ideally what I'm doing, and I have talked with Melissa and you a lot about this too, is ideally what I'm doing with the Contigo approach training is creating a community of people from which there will be people who can mentor people in nature-based practice and that that's not going to be my time all the time. They can take a exactly. model that I developed and totally. mentor other people in it, you know? So, yep. I mean, maybe I wasn't as mocking myself as I should be, but I think it's, maybe it's just an example of one of those top three things that helped me work on rather than in my business. I guess if maybe I'm giving a good example of how, like, if you think that way, that is what comes to fruition in your business, exactly. you know, you're, then you don't create a business just around yourself where you're doing exactly. everything. You're thinking about how to create a business that can mm-hmm. quote unquote run without you. Exactly. Although that's kind of a lie. A misnomer. I mean, yeah. yeah that's you, always, you always have episode. to be involved in your business, but. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And it's also, you know, the best for scalability and sellability. Yeah. Right. And it also automatically takes you out of that time for money and puts you into that expertise for money equation, which is just a game changer, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's starting like what you just said. It's starting with the end Mm -hmm. in mind, right? Because none of us wants to work till we're 100. And if you create a (laughs) business that can actually be sold and handed off to someone, then... Yeah. So, see, maybe I wasn't so silly as I think. No, I I have to clarify. Melissa gave me no indication that that's what she was thinking. I'm just laughing at myself. (laughs) I know what you were doing. She was probably like, "Dang, girl, already thinking of it." Okay, you know (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So you said you
0: don't want to work till you're a (laughs) hundred. And I agree with that, although part of me never sees myself retiring, but that's a story for another day. So that gets to like how we see money in our lives, how we see work in our lives. And I want to ask you about money mindset. Tell me what has been your biggest hurdle in money mindset and how you are overcoming it.
1: Money mindset is so ingrained in us from like how we grew up, how we've thought about money our whole lives from when we were young. And I think for me, I grew up very middle-class, but in a community where there were a lot of people that were wealthier than me. And now I'm middle-class and I live in an area where there's a lot of people wealthier than Mm. me. And so I think my main money mindset issue that I constantly battle is I'll never be rich. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's like in my mind. And it's also like a little bit of resentment towards people that are rich underlying Mm -hmm. that, you know, like, I don't want to be one of them anyway, you know, like kind of, Mm -hmm. so I would say like, I I jokingly, I'm like, I haven't overcome it, but I have had moments, like a lot of the mindset work that I've done to be able to teach others about mindset has been helpful Mm -hmm. in like reframing, some of the negative thought patterns I have around that. And a recent story that I actually shared in my coaching program this last time I ran it was I was in the mountains. I take the boys once or twice a year to the mountains to go skiing. And I was there and I was looking at all these beautiful cabins, right? Like they're probably three hours from the Bay Area. And I had the thought, I just can't fathom having the money to afford like an extra house where we just go for the weekend to ski. Mm -hmm. And immediately when I thought that I was like, but if I really wanted that, I could probably set that as a goal and have that if I wanted it, you know, like, so it's, I think reframing how we think about money is like a lifelong process, but you can, I see little glimmers of hope that maybe I'm shifting my mindset a bit. It's not that I don't think I deserve to be rich. I know I work really hard. I do think I deserve it. It's just this weird thing that that's that's not my identity. It's well, interesting. Well, you did
0: say you did say something much earlier on and I picked up on it and not a lot of people can say this. And you said, "I know now how to make money." Right. I know now how to generate money as an OT in an OT business. And I thought, "Damn." Like, that's pretty, that's a pretty amazing place to get to. And it's a pretty great thing to just be able to say Hmm. when, you know, it's like you've been sitting in that long enough that that still doesn't take your breath away. And there's so many people that are listening right now that are like, wait a second, how does that happen? And Hmm. I just think that, you know, it does speak to that mindset shift in that, okay, I got this. I'm going to set the next school. I'm going to set the next school. And I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's been a long road. I mean, it's been five (laughs) years of doing this, probably 10 years of thinking about it. So, (laughs) (laughs) good point. Actually, it has been 10 years because I will say my youngest child just turned 10. And -hmm. when I was on maternity leave with him from the school Mm -hmm. district, now this tells you 10 years ago what was out there. I bought a course Mm -hmm. on starting a private practice that came to me on CDs that I put in my computer and played the videos. Like, So it's been 10 years that I've been even more maybe that I've been thinking about it. So I don't think there's really, I mean, I guess there is overnight success, but I think, I mean, I believe what I say on the end of every one of my podcasts, which is small steps make great gains over time. Mm -hmm. That is so the story of my life, Like, just the next step, the next step. And Mm -hmm. it's like what you just said, Trish, you look back and you go, oh my gosh, like I've learned a lot. I think I know how to do some things that could help people. Like, so for what it's worth, a long road, but it's fun.
0: Well, and I love those small steps. And you know, the one thing that I encourage everybody, and I'll just pop this out here before we get to our rapid fire questions at the end. I am constantly blown away by the power of writing down a goal.
1: Yes, that's true. And again,
0: I just cannot believe how trite that sounds. Like I sound like what I sound like when I used to teach first year, first day OT students. Right, right. But it honestly literally blows me away because nine times, well, maybe not nine, let's say 80% of the time, Mm -hmm. I'm either partially or definitely hitting that goal. There's very little not hitting that goal at all, except in a pandemic of global proportion or, you know, something happening with my family or whatever. But I am constantly amazed at how writing it down almost makes it a reality. And it's not that simple, but it is those step-by-steps. And you know, then you write sub-goals and you write goals under that. It's just like writing an IPP for a kid, in my case, in peds. And then you look around and my favorite thing now is to look back on the year I did that and the year before and then the year before and see all these baby steps. So I do them in quarters. I do them in months. I even do them in weeks. And I just think if that feels too daunting, it feels like eating an elephant. Like you said, take a baby step. And from a very practical point of view, write down a goal. Write down a goal for
1: I agree. Week. It puts it in mind. It puts it, really it like does. your intention on it. Yeah. It's
0: really one of the most powerful, easiest tricks that has made a world of change for me and in, in my business development. I okay. Agree. So we're we're going to be wrapping stuff up. So I've got okay. some rapid fire questions at the end. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So what is your biggest business related splurge? Kajabi. I bought it before I needed it. Yeah, that's true. I it was worth that. it. Good. Okay. Good. Good. What is your biggest personal money splurge?
1: Oh, I wasn't ready for this one. I know you weren't. I (laughs) I didn't see that one filled out. I was like, "Mm, I'm just going to hit her up. I would say I am wearing them on my feet right now. Mm -hmm. I waited for years to buy, I think they're called the Phoenix boots from Softstar Shoes. They're like handmade leather, kind of like Uggs, but they have a flat sole. And I think they're like $250 boots. I wear them every day during the winter. They are my favorite. They're like slippers on my feet. They make me so happy. I love them. Gotta have comfy feet. Yeah, they're just, I love them. Good. Where do you have paid or unpaid help in your life? Well, my unpaid help is my husband and because of him, I don't have paid help because he has like some problem with hiring people to help us clean the house. (laughs) I had that once when I was in grad school, when I put my foot down and was like, I need help cleaning the house. I'm so crazy. He is the help though. (laughs) Fantastic. He is. Yeah. He's the help. He's a good guy. He is a good guy.
0: Okay. Okay last question before we wrap up, if I could wave my money magic wand and put seven figures into your business, I didn't say one, I didn't say nine, I left that open. If I can put seven, well, cause we're not making seven figures in our businesses right now. So I figured that's a pretty good one. Right. If I could good. just, and you know what, like a seven figure, even at a million dollars, just to automatically drop into your business, it's a nice chunk of change. Yeah. So if I could just wave my money magic wand and put seven figures into your business right now,
1: what would you spend it on? I'm gonna change my answer from what I originally wrote down because the thing that came to mind was land. I would want to buy land preferably if we could make that like a nine comma zero, 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 or maybe open- nine 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 nine. I feel so strongly that there are so few places left where kids can like freely explore nature because everything is so managed in an area like yeah. the Bay area where I am all for environmental protection. Of course, I'm a nature based person. I'm a nature lover, but there are so few places where kids can like Climb trees, go on tree swings, create things, build things. Like, I would love to have land for mm-hmm. my private practice. That being said, I also would really, really value being able to take like yearly vacations with my family, meaning yeah. like where I don't do anything, food is provided, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And also, I would love to be able to give a lot of money away. I think that's one of the things, if you're rich, you have more money that you can do more good in the world with. And I think that's a, that's something I would want to do too.
0: I love it. Well, you know what Oprah says about land?
1: What does she say? Because if you're looking for a role model,
0: why not? She said a long time ago, she bought land in Hawaii and I think it was on her show or something. And she said, uh, yep, I buy land as an investment because God ain't making no mo. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's
1: awesome. So you didn't even know this is part of your wealth creation. It's not just for free range kids. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. Sorry. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but. One of the things I want to do, and this goes back to like the five year goal. One of the things I really want to do in the business is create a nonprofit Mm -hmm. that would funnel money to anyone who takes the Contigo approach training could access money from the nonprofit to fund therapy services for children in their own practice, whether they're a nonprofit or not. And that way it like builds in equity and diversity into the Contigo approach model in a way that I want so desperately for there to be there, but it's just putting the structure in place right now. So if you give me that seven figures of money, I'll buy land and I would create that nonprofit. That's the other thing I want to do so badly. So that's on the, after the PhD list, the yeah, third says business. Says the girl
0: who said originally, I don't know what my five-year goals are right now. I Well, you've got 10-year goals.
1: Yeah. That's a big goal. I love that. I love that. (laughs) It's
0: so forward thinking. I think it's amazing. Okay. So before we wrap up, what do you want to share with the people? Where can they find you? And I want you to pretend this is winter 2021 because I want you to get in that headspace. Where can people find you and what are you offering? What's on your offer plate? How can people work with you in in winter
1: 2021? anyone who is an OT practitioner listening to this podcast should be in the OT Entrepreneurs Facebook group. Like that is, that is where I serve for free. So I'm really big Mm -hmm. on serving the masses for free. And if you want like more individualized attention, then you pay for that. That's a good business model for people in Mm -hmm. general. So in the OT Entrepreneurs Facebook group, I do Facebook lives and offer resources and things in that group for free. So that is free and You'll find Trish there, Melissa LaPointe, a lot of other OT business leaders are there. Iris Kimberg's there, Tamiko Faison's there. There's a lot of people who have been doing this work for a long time that are excellent Mm -hmm. resources for you in that group. So go on over and join it. And then if you are a nature-based pediatric person of any therapy background, like this group is not just for OTs. I run another group for nature-based pediatric therapists called Therapy in the Great Outdoors. So you can find that on Facebook as well. And same deal there, free Facebook lives and trainings and resources. Those are my free things. And then my paid programs are at businessbedrocks.com. That's my group coaching program. And you can go to contigoapproach.com to get more info about the Contigo Approach online course, which we just developed. And that's C-O-N-T-I-G-O. Contigo, as my husband says. Which means? (laughs) (laughs) Which means... With you, with (laughs) you. He he said it in like this, like super like bougie Puerto Rican accent, which is so not him because his parents are like from the hills. They grew up on farms, you know. (laughs) He's like Contigo. (laughs) (laughs) I think he needs to be in some of the commercials, (laughs) please. Yeah, yeah,
0: I should. It'll be like Corinthian (laughs) leather. It'll be like his tag, his trade.
1: Right, right. So (laughs) So, yeah. So those are. Those are the places. And my private practice is outdoorkidsot.com if people want to see that kind of just how the website is set up and all that. So. You do so much. It's just always, I mean,
0: I am very lucky that I get to talk to you whenever I darn well please. And Boxer's I. Boxer's our friend. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I really, and I, and I feel that truly because I know that this conversation and capturing it here and putting it out into the world just gives more people a chance to hear what goes on inside your brain. It is a fantastic place. You are a visionary while you also bring this like honesty and true integrity to what you do. And I think it's just a perfect fit for our OT entrepreneur community. So thank you so much. Thank you for being a leader. Thank you for being a friend and thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me. This was such a fun conversation and I just loved it. Me too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded
0: live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.